Today on Hardwired. The good news is, and I gotta say this, on the cross, God judged Christ for all of our sins. He received the judgment for all of us. Now that's a sobering thought. All of us, everything you and I ever did, ever said, ever acted out, ever thought that was sinful, he was judged for it on the cross. The Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. You are listening to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire. Thanks for allowing us to share this time with you. It's our favorite time of the day where we get to hang out together and hear about how the truth of God's Word can make a huge difference as it's hardwired into your life, your relationships, and your future. You may be stuck in traffic or maybe even stuck in life. Either way, today's message is going to help you get on the right track as you learn how much God loves you right where you are. And if for any reason you have to break away before the end of the program, you can always catch it at our website, hardwired.org. That's hardwired.org. So let's go ahead and get right into today's message. Here's Pastor Jeff to set it up for us. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Hardwired. Thank you so much for joining us and making us a part of what I know is a very busy day. Well, in Hardwire, we've been going through the book of Revelations. It's been a great series. I've loved teaching it, and I know you've loved hearing it because it is so informative, so piercing, so penetrating, so illuminating, showing us what our world is soon to experience in a time period called the Great Tribulation. And this time, we're going to look at something that even Steven Spielberg could not have come up with. I've called this message, The Demonic Invasion. John had a vision by the Holy Spirit of a group of creatures that are going to be released on planet Earth that are truly bizarre in their description, but they represent something. It means something. And we're going to see what they are today, these locust-like creatures. So let's, without any further ado, go right to the message called The Demonic Invasion. Grab your Bible, get something to write with, and let's learn what John saw by the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to always sort of preempt each message with a reminder that the book of Revelation from chapters 4 all the way through 20-ish or so is about judgment. It's about the judgments of God. What are we reading about in the book of Revelation? Well, it's 21 judgments being visited on a Christ-rejecting, blasphemous, unrepentant world. And we've got to keep in mind that this is not the first time this has happened. Now, the revelation is, and the way it's all going to go down is a first. But God sending worldwide judgment, this isn't a first. It happened in Noah's day. Every human being was taken out but eight. Hello? Sodom and Gomorrah, every human being was taken out but Lot and his family. That's it. A minority were always saved. The majority were lost. Now, that's just what the Bible shows us. Um, and you see uh, judgments throughout Scripture. As I said last time, if you took all the judgment out of the Bible, you'd have a little skinny Bible, a little skinny Bible, because we need to understand that one of the biblical themes is that God must answer sin. And it's either answered in the shed blood of his son, or you and I will answer for it. But God must exact justice for every sin committed, because every sin committed in God's universe is a crime. It's a crime against God. So at the judgment, either 
You and I are going to answer for our sins. We're going to point to the one that died on the cross for us and say, he took my sin and I'm covered in the blood of the lamb. All right. So that's it. And there's not going to be any other kind of person. One of those, you're either covered by the blood or you are not. If you're not, what a fearful day that'll be. Uh, As the writer of Hebrews said, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation given to us by Christ? So keep that in mind. The judgment is a part of God's dealings with the planet because he is a God of holiness and justice. All right? And, um, but the good news is, and I got to say this, on the cross, God judged Christ for all of our sins. He received the judgment for all of us. Now, that's a sobering thought. All of us, everything you and I ever did, ever said, ever acted out, ever thought that was sinful, he was judged for it on the cross. The Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. And we can never forget that and never quit talking about it from week to week. Every time we're together, we need to remember that cross. I'm so thankful for it. If you're thankful for the cross of Christ, give me an amen. Amen. But now the world that is coming under this great tribulation judgment have by and large rejected the cross and said, I don't want it. And so God's judgment is falling. Now, thus far in the revelation, we've observed the opening of the seven seals in chapter six and the first half of chapter eight. Remember, chapter seven is an interlude between the sixth and the seventh seal. And then the first four trumpets in the second half of chapter eight, the first four trumpets. So you've got the seal judgments, trumpet judgments, and the bowl judgments. 21 in all, seven apiece, all right? Now, this time we begin chapter nine with the fifth trumpet. And folks, we're going into some stuff tonight that is gonna, you're gonna think I'm talking from something I read in a science fiction novel, but I'm not. I happen to believe science fiction writers maybe borrowed from some of what God had in his word. But here's the deal. Let's read what we begin with in chapter nine, which is the fifth trumpet is now about to blow. The fifth angel sounded his trumpet and I saw a star that had fallen from the sky to the earth. Now, two things about this star. First, It's a star that has already fallen. It's past tense. This star that John sees is already fallen. John is not watching it fall. It's already happened. Now, the language is important here. This was written in the Greek language. And in the Greek language, star is not in the neuter gender. It's in the the masculine gender. So this is not talking about an it. The star is not an it, but it's a he. No getting away from the language. John goes on to say in Revelations 9, 1 and 2, the star was given the key to the shaft of the abyss. And when he, notice, there you go, personal pronoun he, when he, the star, opened the abyss, smoke rose from it like the smoke from a gigantic furnace. The sun and the sky were darkened by the smoke from the abyss. Now, the context strongly suggests that this is Satan himself. And I can prove it to you. The star is Satan. When we first encounter the devil in Genesis, is he not already fallen? Yeah, he's already fallen. He's already uh, a serpent. He's already been judged and damned by God. 
Uh, he's not the great archangel Lucifer. No, he's been judged. He's already fallen. That's the first hint. But Jesus said of the devil, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. What, what is Jesus talking about? I saw Satan come under judgment when he rebelled against God. And I, I watched him fall. Now, that's only Christ could say that because Christ was there as God, the son, right? Are you with me? So I believe it's pretty well beyond dispute. The star is the devil because he's given the key to the bottomless pit and he opens it. Satan opens the bottomless pit. But notice he's been allowed by God to do it. He didn't do it on his own. He's a dog on a leash. Amen? Satan does not act on his own. He's got to have permission. Um, so here in Revelation 11, verse 7, uh, or look, I'm jumping ahead. Let me back up just a little bit. The bottomless pit. He, he's given the key to the bottomless pit and he opens it. What's the bottomless pit? I know I don't like the sound of it, right? Don't want to go there. Can you imagine falling and never landing? The bottomless pit, according to the Bible, is the abode of demons. It's where the demons dwell. According to Luke 8.31, the demons kept begging Jesus not to send them where? Into the bottomless pit. Please don't send us into the bottomless pit. And notice, the demons were totally subservient to Christ. They knew this is the one that is one day going to judge us. And they're saying, please don't send us until that time comes. Don't do it to us. Because even they don't want to go there. So the abyss is the bottomless pit. And Revelations eleven seven says that Antichrist, the beast, in Revelations, we're going to see that he's the beast, also comes out of the bottomless pit. Listen to what it says. Verse seven, when they complete their testimony, it's talking about the two witnesses that we'll deal with a little bit later. When they complete their testimony, the beast, that's Antichrist, that comes up out of the bottomless pit. Where does he come from? The bottomless pit. Will declare war against God's two witnesses and he will conquer them and kill them. But what I'm not reading, and we're going to see later is, after three days, they rise from the dead with the whole world watching. Amen. So the, the opening verse of chapter nine presents Satan as having the key to the pit of the abyss with power to release what is confined there. So there's an abyss. You say, well, where is it? I don't know where it is. I don't know if it's just a spiritual dimension. I don't know if it's actually a physical place. I, I don't know. We don't know, but it's there. And the demons dwell there. And it's a place you don't want to go. And so when Satan opens up the door to the bottomless pit, look what comes out of it. Now, here we go into some science fiction type sounding stuff, but it's not. It's only John using metaphors, using illustrations, using examples. Remember I told you, he's always going to say, it was like this, it was like that. It was as this, it was as that. That's what he's doing here because he's going to be saying like and as over and over again here. Now, starting at verse three, out of the smoke, because smoke came up out of the pit, out of the smoke that came out of the pit, locusts came down upon the earth and were given power like that of scorpions of the earth. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any plant or tree. So don't touch the ecology but only those people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. Now look at verse five. They were not given power to kill, but only to torture 
for five months. And the agony they suffered, that is those that received the sting of this locust creature was like that of the sting of a scorpion when it strikes a man. Anybody here ever been stung by a scorpion? Oh man, you never forget it, do you? It burns itself in your memory. How many of you have uh, scorpia, scorpion phobia now, right? Scorpophobia, uh, because it is a very, very painful sting. Now, so John is using metaphors, all right? Now, so as soon as the, the mouth of the awful pit is open, thick blackness spews out like black smoke of a great furnace, and this blackness fills the air. It obscures the sun. This is happening during the great tribulation period. This is the first half of the tribulation period, the first three and a half years. It obscures the sun, whatever it is, and out of the smoky blackness comes these creatures, never before seen on earth, horrible in shape, evil in character, armed with power to torment men's bodies, but not kill them. We'll get back to Pastor Jeff in a moment to close out today's program. But first, I wanna share something about our program. Our mission is actually very simple, to share the life-changing good news of Jesus Christ in a way that gets hardwired into your life. And we trust these messages from Pastor Jeff aren't something you can only listen to and enjoy, but that they inspire you to share with others. The message of the gospel is something everyone needs to hear. And that's why it's a priority to us. And you get to join us in this important mission. Call us at 877-884-3111 to say you're in. Or drop us a line at our website, hardwired.org. Well, here's Pastor Jeff with the rest of today's program. Verse 6 informs us that men will seek death and they'll not find it. They'll desire to die and death will flee from them. That's terrible. You choose death over what you're experiencing, but you can't die. Now, the description of the locust is bizarre. Let's read it. Verse 7. The locusts looked like horses prepared for battle. All right? Looked like horses. Notice the like. They were as or like horses. They had what looked like gold crowns on their heads. Their faces looked like human faces. They had hair like women's hair, but teeth like the teeth of a lion. They wore a breastplate made of iron and their wings roared like an army of chariots rushing into battle. They had tails that stung like scorpions. For five months, they had the power to torment people. Now, this is some weird goings on. Come on, everybody. Huh? When is this going to happen? First three and a half years of the tribulation period. Now, is this literal? I mean, is it really locusts? No, it's not locusts. But let's look at the symbology in his description before I tell you what I think they are. Here's what I believe these locusts stand for. And we draw our interpretation from what the rest of the Bible tells us about the things John compares them to. Like locusts in the Bible were dreaded. They were feared. They were unrelenting. They were destructive. They were ruinous. They would come in like a great black cloud, land on a harvest of crops. And when they lifted to fly away, nothing was left and farmers were left to starve to death. These were dreaded creatures. So whatever it is that comes out of this black smoke will be dreaded. It'll be ruinous. Horses, they look like horses. Well, horses are strong, they're powerful, they're fearful in combat. So these creatures are strong. Crowns of gold, what does that represent? It represents authority. 
So they have some kind of authority. The faces of men, that can only mean they have intelligence. They have a will. They're willful. They can strategize. They can think. They're not just like somebody shooting a shotgun hoping to hit something. They're intelligent. Hair of women. I, I really puzzle over that one <laughs> because they're so terrible and now we got hair of women. And the only thing I could think is attractive, disarming. Is there something about them that arrested your attention? I don't know. You go pray about it. Whatever God tells you, come tell me. Teeth of a lion. That means they're overpowering. That means they are devouring. Uh, breastplates of iron, indestructible. The breastplates of iron in the ancient world were considered to be the best piece of defensive equipment. This indicates they cannot be defeated, and the only defense against them is fellowship with the Lord. Otherwise, they are indestructible. Breastplates of iron, wings that sound like chariots. Now, John didn't have cars and jets and things that, that make these tremendous roaring noises. The most roaring noise he could compare it to is a bunch of chariots coming towards you and the chariot wheels and the noise they make. In other words, it's a frightening, overpowering noise they make. In the tails of scorpions, they inflict massive, painful torment. Now, he calls them locusts, but that's not what they are. These are clearly supernatural beings. There's no question in my mind they're demonic. Now, everybody in here does know, and those of you watching uh, at home and listening later on radio, we got to get to the place where, look, we can't be amongst those who say Satan is only a myth or only a, an illustration of evil. No, we're in a real spiritual warfare. And Satan is real. And the demon hordes at his disposal are real. And what we're seeing here in the book of Revelation is a hideous unleashing of demonic forces because the church is gone. Hallelujah. Unlike the former plagues that decimate the earth's ecology that we've already looked at in our last couple of times together, these diabolical creatures only afflict men. They don't touch the ecology. Revelations 9-11 goes on to say, and this settles all dispute about what they are. Their king is the angel from the bottomless pit. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon. And in Greek, Apollyon. Well, what's that? Well, Abaddon means destruction. Apollyon literally means the exterminator. What did Jesus say about the devil? He came to kill. He came to steal. He came to destroy. So who is this? Well, their king, the king of these creatures, is Satan. That's who we're dealing with. Satan is unleashing his best against this world of unrepentant people, and we're going to get a real glimpse of their unrepentance at the end of tonight's message. But just catch this now. This is an incredibly demonic attack. It's terrible. They are demonic creatures. They begin to wreak havoc on mankind, delivering mind-numbing pain and all kinds of woe. And as horrible as this is, it's still not over. There are two trumpets to go. Revelation 9, 12 warns, one woe is past, and behold, there come two woes more hereafter. So two more trumpets. So let's look at the sixth trumpet. Everybody say, I think I can take it. Now say with me, woe is me. Now say with me, thank God I'm saved. Let's try that again. Thank God I'm saved. Because do you see what's coming upon a Christ-rejecting world? This is not a fairy tale. This is not a fable. This is not mythology. This is not from Brothers Grimm. 
This is not something cooked up by a science fiction writer. This is John looking into the future by the Spirit of God and saying, this is what's coming. Sixth trumpet. As we come to the sixth trumpet in Revelations 9, we find four angels posted of all places at the Euphrates River. Verse 13, and the sixth angel sounded or blew the trumpet. And I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God saying to the sixth angel, which had the trumpet, loose the four angels, which are bound in the great river Euphrates. Now, I want to pause here a minute and remind you, if you've been with me the whole time, I told you that the events in Revelation are, for the most part, chronological and sequential, but sometimes they're not. And this is one example. John is going to move from seven seals to seven trumpets, to seven bowls, but sometimes, every once in a while, he'll jump forward or he'll go backward in order to focus on a particular event that he's later going to revisit. Now, in chapter 9, he jumps forward and talks about the Euphrates River, but we're going to encounter the Euphrates River in a much bigger way in chapter 16, but he's jumping sort of like to give us a little foretaste of what's coming in chapter 16 a prelude to the full story that'll be expanded upon later. So keep in mind that when John begins here in chapter nine, he's gonna pick up on it again in chapters 15 and 16 regarding the Euphrates River because a major, major, major event happens with the Euphrates River playing a major role. But now, why the angels are posted at the Euphrates is a mystery. The Euphrates River has always been a physical and a psychological boundary between east and west. Do you know that it's one of the four rivers mentioned in Genesis 2? Genesis 2 mentions four rivers. Euphrates is one of them, and it flowed through and out of the Garden of Eden. So the Euphrates is as old as creation, and it's still here. Makes you want to go jump in it, doesn't it? (laughs) The Euphrates River was there. Adam looked at it. Eve looked at it. Maybe they swam in it. There we go. Now, I want you to notice the Euphrates. It starts in Turkey. Now, this is today, right now. It starts in Turkey. It winds its way through Syria and where? Iraq. All the way down to Kuwait. It's huge. Look at that river. For our radio listeners, uh, we're looking at a map. And look at this map now. This is powerful. There is Iran to the east, sort of to the northeast a little bit. Below is Saudi Arabia. Um, West is Egypt. Look at it. There it is. That river is going to play a huge role in end-time events. That's why you need to see it and understand a little bit about it. There it is. Again, think about it. Maybe Adam and Eve took a little bath in it. Maybe they swam around in it. Who knows? But they saw it. Is that not powerful? I don't know. That gives me Holy Ghost bumps a little bit because it's still with us, all right? It's the longest water course in Southwest Asia. The distance from its beginning to where it joins with the Tigris River um, in Iraq is 1,800 miles. Think about a river that long, 1,800 miles long. Little history in ancient times, that river provided the water that led to the first flowering of civilization in Sumer. 
Now, the Sumerian civilization is the oldest civilization we know anything about. And this river played a part in that civilization coming to be in ancient history. We know of no older civilization than the Sumerians. It is where writing and the wheel were first appeared. The, the earliest writing we've got came from the Sumerians and the wheel was discovered there. Many important ancient cities were located on or near it, including Ur of the Chaldees, where Abraham was born. This river has played a huge part in Bible history. You've been listening to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire. It would mean the world to us to know how the program has helped you today. So take a quick minute and give us a call, 877-884-3111. Or you can connect with us at our website, hardwired.org. And if you enjoy the program as much as we love bringing it to you, let us know by your generous support. It would really mean a lot to us. There are daily costs associated with the program. And we truly do depend on the faithful financial support of our listeners like you to allow us to be on this station. So please consider partnering with us today with your gifts to this ministry. You can call us at 877-884-3111 or go to the website hardwired.org. Again, call 877-884-3111 or at our website hardwired.org. Thank you for your loyal partnership, as we couldn't do this without you. And finally, Pastor Jeff is the founder and senior pastor of the vibrant Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. If you're ever in the area, we hope you'll stop by and say hi. And let us know that you listen to the program. That would really make our day. And Pastor Jeff would love to meet you personally, too. So till next time, have a great day. And thanks so much for listening to Hardwired.